And we can say a little extra prayer for the uh, kids' teachers tonight on Time Change Sunday, the bane of all parents' existence, <laughs> where our children wake up too early, but yet somehow aren't tired at the right time at night. Um, <laughs> I was thinking as I was sitting here, I, I, I hate this time change, one, because it turns off the stained glass. Uh, which, which we just need to go ahead and tell Parkway to invest in whatever floodlights they need to light that up for us because I think it would be better. Um, but I, we're doing something really mean, so we're going through this series on communal practices, and tonight we're going to talk about why we meet publicly, why we get in this room each week, why this is important. And I realize that we, uh, without thinking about it, uh, scheduled to talk about this on a day that was almost inevitably going to be uh, low attendance. Uh, for those who have kids, again, today's a hard day to get anything done right and on time and get to where we're going. And so um, this will just heap some shame on people who weren't here, which of course is the point of us gathering, right? <laughs> to make people feel as bad about themselves as possible. So um, feel good that you're here on the night we're going to talk about this. Uh, tonight I want to make a case to you uh, which again, maybe, you know, this may be preaching to the choir. You are here, but I'm going to make the case that consistently showing up to our public meeting time, to a public gathering, to public worship is important. It matters. Uh, and I understand, or actually I want you to understand that it's always a little strange for me to try to compel you or anyone else to come to church on a weekly basis. Um, since I'm the one that's kind of behind the microphone uh, on a week-to-week basis, I'm up here more than anyone else, it feels a little self-serving, right? It can almost feel like someone, you know, asking someone to come and see your band. Come watch me perform. Uh, It's as uncomfortable as me asking you to give to the church when I'm an employee of the church, right? Um, All this, of course, is based on a common but entirely false idea that even I sometimes buy into, but I try not to, which is that this public time is about uh, what's said from uh, behind the microphone, that what I'm saying or what they're singing is the point of this. And of course, that is not true. I should not feel strangely about telling you uh, what I believe to be the truth about how important gathering together is because the sermon, the preacher, is not the point of gathering. It's definitely not the most important part of what's going on, and it's not the reason why we're here. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to promise to get past the weird feelings I have about it uh, if you promise to just believe me when I say I'm not trying to build an audience for my sake. Um, quite the opposite. My, my life's easier the smaller my listening audience is. Turns out I'm quite offensive to the larger groups of people. So um, <laughs> with all that said, I really do truly believe now, honestly, more than ever, that consistently participating in person in the community of faith is vital. In fact, it's as vital as it has ever been, for me anyways, and I don't think I'm alone in this. As we get into this conversation, we must remember some things. I wanna, I wanna make some, give some caveats before we get going. And some of these are things we've already considered in this series of our public practices and why we do these things communally. Um, first, I wanna remind you that we are not here to build an institution. None of this is about bringing in more money, building bigger buildings, making us more impressive as an institution. This is not about the institution, and it's not the reason why I'll make this argument. In fact, I'm not even claiming that you should show up here every week. I'm just saying it's important to publicly, in person, participate in a faith community. We may not be your place, and that's okay. 
but it's not about building an institution. Secondly, uh, as we've already established, we are made in community, by community, for community. We've talked about the importance of community. I think that was the first thing we talked about. And I understand and acknowledge that you can have community outside of being here on Sundays. You can have community that is meaningful and important to you, the kind of community that feeds your soul outside of this room. I believe in that. That's true. I hope you have that as well. With that said, I still believe that consistent participation with a church is still important, with a place that intentionally addresses God and our spiritual lives and our spiritual questions and our spiritual needs is still important, even if you have that kind of community outside this room. Although certainly, I hope you find that community in this room. And if you are not yet doing that, we hope we can help you find it here. Also, I want you to remember that we've already talked about the nature of worship. I'm not just trying to plug the old podcast, but if you weren't here, you can listen to that. And I understand that worship is much bigger than a weekly service. Worship is whenever we sacrifice of ourselves and lovingly give to other people. That is when worship happens. I get that it's bigger than this time each week. But again, I don't think that makes this time each week any less important, right? And I also want to say that I'm not interested in trying to create an obligation for you. Um, very few things of importance or meaning come from obligation. They may come from discipline, something that we have to talk ourselves into or make ourselves do. Discipline is that structure we create in our lives for God to do the things God wants to do. It may be a discipline, but I hope it's not an obligation. And finally, I also want to acknowledge that there are often really great reasons to not go to a particular church. Most of us in this room, at one point or another, have made the, I assume, good decision to stop going to a church. Uh, I won't get into all the myriad of reasons why that may be. Uh, and I support that. When it, when it is hurting your faith in God to go to a particular church, you should stop going to that church. But I don't think you should stop going to church. I think church is important. Why do we meet like this every week? Why does this matter so much? This is a question that I, like you, have struggled with regularly in my life. And at different points in my life, I've answered it very differently. In a very awkward turn of things, in my final semester in seminary, I decided that church wasn't important anymore. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my life. I was going to have like 96 hours of graduate work and go drive a truck for someone or something. And that was okay. I had a wide enough vision of what being a minister meant that that was going to fit just fine. But I had lost confidence in the idea that actually meeting with the same group of people in the same room on a week-to-week basis really mattered. I was traveling a lot at that point, speaking places, that kind of thing. I thought that was where it was at. I've struggled with it just like you have. But if you are here tonight... I believe that you've asked yourself that question and you've probably given yourself an answer, even if you're not quite sure why, right? I mean, we went, I I, I would have never guessed, I would have never bet five years ago that there would be a point when all of us would go a full year without sharing a room together. That we wouldn't meet in this place for a full year. And And I will say this, anything that felt like an obligation or felt like a habit For me, a habit can disappear in about 36 hours. I don't need a full year, right? So all that obligation, all of that uh, habit was gone, and yet here you are, here we are, 
Something brought us back. And that means something. Because I don't know if you've kept your eyes on like statistics and news, but people aren't coming back everywhere. I meet with a group of pastors every week. Wonderful men and women. People who, run, who are you know, leading great churches. And almost everybody, we're, we're not really having too much of a problem with it, but almost everybody is seeing much, much lower numbers than they were two years ago. Lots of people just aren't coming back. So why do we do this? This is a, I realized as I got into it this week, this is a much bigger topic than really should be addressed in one sermon. And I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I am going to cram about four sermons worth of stuff into one sermon, but I'm going to do it quickly. I won't keep you here long, but this will be a bit of a fire hose. And I want to look at a few verses in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 uh, that I thought kind of uh, highlighted some of the reasons why I think this matters and should matter to us. Now, let me first tell you a little bit about Hebrews. Hebrews is a strange book. We always talk about the importance of uh, reading Scripture in context, right, of understanding who is being written to, what's going on, all the things so we can kind of understand what's being written. That's what makes Hebrews very hard. We don't really know the author. We're not sure who the audience was, and we don't know exactly when it was written. It's kind of hard to get all the context we'd like to have in the book of Hebrews. But what we do know, just from within the letter and the things that are said, we can infer a few things. We know that within this letter, whoever was the original intended audience needed encouragement. They were church folks who had experienced pain because of their participation in the church, right? Uh, there's, there's hints within the text that they had lost property because they were part of the church, that some of them were imprisoned, that some of their leaders may have been killed, and that there was a lot of social pressure against them for being part of this weird little new cult of whoever they were doing whatever they were doing that was so suspect back in those times. Being a part of the church cost them. In other words, they had great reasons to stop meeting. I'll just go ahead and say, much better reasons than you and I come up with. And so as, they, as, the, as the writer of this letter uh, addresses why they should keep meeting, keep that in mind. To this community of people who had every reason to stop meeting together, the writer of Hebrews says the following in chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Brothers and sisters, we have confidence that we can enter the Holy of Holies by means of Jesus' blood. The Holy of Holies would be the center of the temple in Jewish worship. It's a place where I think only one person one time a year was allowed to go, and they tie a rope around their foot with a bell on it in case they fell over dead from being in God's presence, then they could drag them out without having to go in there and die themselves. Right? Serious business in the Jewish religion. We have confidence that we can enter the Holy of Holies by means of Jesus' blood through a new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, which is his body. And we have a great high priest over God's house. All throughout Hebrews, that idea of Jesus' high priest is found throughout there. Therefore, let's draw near with a genuine heart and with the certainty that our faith gives us since our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. Let's hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering because the one who has made the promises is reliable. And let us consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. Don't stop meeting together with other believers. Don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. 
That's the common English Bible version of, of this uh, text, which I really like that translation. Don't stop meeting together with others who believe. The command is pretty plainly laid out here in Hebrews 10. Don't stop meeting together with others who believe. It's, it's right there. It's worth paying attention to. And what I love about these verses that precede it and follow it is that it lays out all these different reasons and context for why that's important. So allow me to run through a list of things here. And again, we're going to go through these fast. You may want to go back and look at this and think about them more individually and, and kind of ruminate them on, on them a little bit. But I want to get us out of here um, before what will feel like 10 o'clock, but it's only 9 o'clock. First, what we see here, we meet together confidently because of what God has done. That's always the first thing, what God has already done on our behalf. Right? We, with confidence, we enter the Holy of Holies. We meet together confidently because of what God has done, because God created. God took flesh and blood and dwelt among us. God, uh, Christ lovingly gave his own body out of sacrificial love for us. And this gives us the chance to embrace a new story, a new way of living, and to approach God directly. Because of what God has done. Right? If all those things are true, that should compel us to do something. We are compelled together, we are compelled to gather, we are compelled to approach that God because of what God has done for us. The second thing you see is not only are we compelled confidently by what God has done, second, our faith compels us to draw near with a genuine heart. Why? Because of forgiveness, sprinkled clean of an evil conscience is what it says here. Forgiveness of God, right? Baptism. Washed with pure water, it says. Forgiveness, baptism, all of these uh, rites and, and uh, religious practices that we go through and religious truths that we believe, all these things move us nearer to God and to each other. Forgiveness, love, baptism, and every other faithful practice always moves us from isolation and towards each other and our Creator. They're there to direct us to community to each other. And not just to draw near to each other and draw near to our God, but to draw near with a genuine heart, with authenticity. Draw near as we are, who we are. No games, no pretending, authentically who we are together. Because God's forgiveness never ends, because our baptism renders it impossible, unnecessary to pretend to be anything we are not. Our faith compels us to draw near with a genuine heart. The third thing, because when we are drawing intentionally near, and that allows us to consider each other carefully. I love that phrase, consider each other carefully. Is there anything our world needs more right now than a people who consider each other carefully? I don't think the history books will look back on this time in our cultural history and all the things that are going on in our world right now, particularly in our country, in our context here, and accuse us all of either being too considerate or too careful with each other. That is not something we are guilty of. Authentic Christian community will always do both of those things. They will always compel us to consider others carefully. I'm going to assume it's not in your nature the way it's not in my nature to do this. 
It's not in my nature to consider others carefully. It's in my nature to consider myself constantly. To believe that this is my story, not our story, right? Can we all just own that? That that's our default position to consider ourselves constantly, not each other, carefully? I mean, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but you are all just side characters in the grand narrative of Mike. Congratulations on your speaking roles. You must be honored. Right? And, and even at our best, even if you're showing up here every week and intentionally trying to create community with other people in this room, even at our best, let's be honest, it's incredibly easy for us to forget the rest of the people in this room even exist until you see them again the next week. We approach our lives like all the scenes begin and end when we enter or leave the picture, right? Like everyone's just on pause till we see them again because this is our story. I would argue that if we do not consistently and intentionally gather together, we cannot carefully consider each other, which means we cannot love each other, which means we cannot love God, according to Jesus' way of laying things out. Love requires proximity. We cannot love from a distance or love in abstraction. That's not how love works. That's why Jesus, that's why God took on flesh and blood in the form of Jesus. That's why we have the incarnation. And it's why social media might just be the Antichrist. The jury's still out. We'll see. But it's got my vote right now. Fourth, We consider each other carefully, not just for its own sake, but in order to spark love and good deeds. Now, that's the one part of this translation in the Common English Bible I don't like. That verb for spark there could also be translated as either uh, irritate, pester, or incite. And why would you not choose one of those words when that's available to you? Instead, this sounds like Marie Kondo or something, and she seems like a lovely person, but I don't want her translating my Bible, and I don't, I don't like the spark love thing here. It sounds too, I don't know, weird to me. But irritate or pester or incite, heck yeah, I'm on board with that. That makes sense to me, right? For the purpose of irritating, let's, let's translate it again. For the purpose of irritating love and good deeds, for the purpose of pestering love and good deeds, for the purpose of inciting love and good deeds. That's a great phrase. And it's a perfect image to me. We gather each week in this place to irritate each other into doing good and loving things in this world. It is my job up here each week to pester you. I know, I'm overly qualified, aren't I? I mean, this is exactly what I should be doing. It's my job to pester you. It's your job to incite and pester and annoy me into doing good things in this world. Again, I do not naturally consider others carefully, and I do not naturally feel compelled to stop my life and all the things that I have going in my grand story in order to do good and loving things in this world. That's not my natural posture. I need others to remind me. I need structure to compel me. I need to be irritated from my modus operandi. Like, I need to be pestered. And that's what you're here to do for me, and that's what I'm here to do for you. 
This is, why, this is part of why we show up each week, to put ourselves in the position of being made uncomfortable, to be annoyed and incited into doing something good in the world. How much good would not get done in our world if faithful Christians did not pester each other towards goodness? How much more good would be done if we took this as our calling? We are to be a holy annoyance. We consider each other carefully in order to pester each other towards love and good deeds. And then the fifth thing I see in here is that we meet in order to encourage each other. And I know this could probably be rolled into the carefully considering each other, but we meet to encourage each other, to remind each other of the good news that God is love and that you are God's beloved. To encourage each other to keep the faith in what God is doing despite what the world looks like right now. To remind each other of the better story that our world never tells. So that all of us might walk out of here and face the next few days with a faithful heart. I don't know about you, but I'm not great at telling myself that story. I need another narrator. I need to be encouraged by someone else. And you encourage me to believe and have faith even when I otherwise wouldn't. That's why we meet together. That's why it's important that you are here. You might need to be someone else's narrator next week. And finally, we do all of this because together we live with the end in mind, as Hebrew writes it, because the day is drawing near. Now, the early Christians thought Jesus was coming back any moment. In fact, all Christians always have thought that. Uh, it sells a lot of books. You should look into writing one of those. No one's ever been right, of course. But back then, based on what Jesus said, the really plain reading of it was that he was coming back very soon, right? So they thought he was coming back any minute. Turns out they were incorrect. But if this past year has taught us anything, it's that in a very real sense, the day is always near. Life is fragile and life is fleeting. And even if you personally and I personally continue to draw breath for decades to come, God willing, life as you know it right now, life as we know it, is constantly coming to an end in one way or another. Part of what was so hard about the last year and a half is how abruptly life as we knew it came to an end. But life is always coming to an end in one way or another. Little apocalypses are always showing up. All of this one day, too soon, will go away, at least in the form we have it now. And we live now with then in mind. We live now with what will make it through then in mind. While the rest of the world does all it can to avoid the difficult truth, we gather together each week and audaciously remind ourselves how precious and limited our time is here. We get together each week and talk about the couple of things you're never supposed to talk about. Death and God. 
talk about life and death in one way or another, broken bodies and shed blood, we consider it every week when it would be easier not to. Because we believe how we live now should always keep that day in mind. Again, that was a fire hose. Each one of those points could be their own sermon. But these are all parts of why the writer of Hebrews tells those he's writing to not to break the habit of meeting together. Don't stop meeting together because of what God has done. Don't stop meeting together because faith compels us to draw near, honestly and authentically. Because we should be considering each other carefully in order to pester each other into good and loving work. Don't stop gathering because we need to encourage each other and tell each other the good news and the good story and help each other to live today with tomorrow and the end of things in mind. These are all good things, and these are all things that will not and cannot happen in isolation. They only happen when we're together. All of this only happens when we show up. And the jury is no longer out on how fully human we can be when we are isolated from each other, fearful of each other, by ourselves in this world. We all got a very vivid case study, and we're still dealing with the aftermath. Talk to anyone who's working with people in their mental health and their spiritual health, and we're going to be dealing with the last couple years for a long, long time. I imagine each of you struggled in one way or another with darkness in the past two years, just like I did. And I don't know about you, but I realized in the last couple years, now more than ever, I need this. I need this time to be fully human. I need this time to believe and continue in the faith and to persevere. I need this time to remember what God has done, who I am and how I am called to live and to just get out of my own head and out of my own way. I need this and I believe you need it too. And again, if this is not your place, that's okay. And I'm not trying to guilt you and I'm not trying to get you uh, to feel obligated, but I want you to know that we need you. We need you here. That only all this only happens when we gather, right? It, it doesn't happen online. It's not anonymous. It's not always comfortable. It's not easy, and it's not without sacrifice. It's every week in a room with other messy people trying to move forward together against all odds in a story that the world won't tell us. And it's beautiful. And let's be honest. If we can't come a little closer to figuring all this out week after week in this room, in this context, what chance do we have out there? If we can't make this experiment work in this little lab, we're in big trouble in the great big world. You were made for this, and this was made for you. Don't stop meeting together with other believers. It's exactly the holy annoyance you need. Let's pray.